I'm John Harkin, ABI's Public Affairs Manager, and I'm joined today on this special podcast by two distinguished guests who spearhead the Chapter 8 Humor column in the ABI Journal. Scott Brown is a partner with Louis Roca, Roth Gerber, Christie LLP in Phoenix, and practices in bankruptcy, corporate restructuring, and consumer finance. He also serves as an associate editor for the ABI Journal. That's really cool. You are really cool, dude. Yes, that's when you have done well enough with the chapter eight, you get elevated to associate editor. So someday maybe you too, Mr. I hope so. (laughs) That other voice you hear is our guest, Scott Bovitz, a senior partner with Bovitz and Spitzer in Los Angeles. And he is a board certified in business bankruptcy law by the American Board of Certification. He is also a photographer, ham radio operator, and musician. In fact, your last column identified and you've stated that you have 356 songs about nothing in particular. So welcome. I can verify that. I've listened to those songs. (laughs) In sequence. (laughs) sequence. My mother said seven were really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, gentlemen, to ABI Podcast. And just to start... Who are the people on the other side of that glass wall? This is cool. This is like a sports thing outside (laughs) in the stadium. Well, we like to provide a good visual for you. (laughs) To start, how did the Chapter 8 humor column itself start? So this began in the 1980s. This is really an unknown fact. Um, My mom was tired of receiving those holiday cards every year in December about how perfect everybody's kids were getting straight A's and, and winning their soccer championships. And so she created this fictitious family name called the Overduns instead of the Browns. And she used to send out a holiday card in the name of the Overduns and about how miserable we were all and failing and, and uh, how average we were as a family. And it was a hit. She was a great observational humorist. And um, I think a lot of that bled over into me and my own writing, my humor writing. I wrote a, an article for Norton Advisor on Cram Down and tried to make it funny and and uh, got a lot of positive feedback on that. And then later did some writing for the National Law Journal, some humor writing, and then tried to make a pitch for the ABI and was initially rejected and then uh, tried again with Eric Van Horn, who started this column with me many years ago. And uh, we're ultimately given the green light after we submitted some samples from Jeff Berman, who was, I think, either the president at the time or maybe he was the vice president of publications at the time. I can't remember exactly. So uh, that's how the column started was just kind of back in the 80s with my mom getting a little disgusted with the perfect holiday letter she got every year. (laughs) And and, and I'm really amused about the holiday cards because at Bovitz and Spitzer, we send out humorous holiday cards usually with a seal on them uh, we sponsor the pacific marine mammal center and they always send us a few interesting things so we have a a humorous bit one of the most popular was a picture of a bunch of seals in a pool staring with no emotion and it was the the jury is not impressed <laughs> years later one of the da's in the la county uh, uh, da took me aside said i need to show you something i thought oh i'm in trouble and opens up the briefcase and in there's the card he said this is what I do to train my brand new DAs about what they're going to see when they look at the jury for the first time. Yeah, those <laughs> are great cards, ones that you keep all year round. So, <laughs> yes. so tell me about the uh, name of the column, Chapter 8. How did you arrive at that? 
You know, it was by accident. Um, Eric Van Horn and I kind of noodled over it for a while. What are we going to name this thing? And we decided to pick um, a number that was not actually in the bankruptcy code. And, and Chapter 8 was one of them. So we just kind of randomly said, let's just call ourselves Chapter 8. And when we submitted that idea to Jeff Berman, he wrote back and said, this is brilliant. I totally get this joke. And we were both kind of, Eric and I were both kind of wondering what, what joke we were just kind of picking a random number. And he said, you've named this after Section 8 of the MASH unit, right? <laughs> and yeah. and uh, Eric and I thought, well, yeah, of course, that's what we were intending. So, so Jeff loved it because he saw the humor in it that Eric and I did not. So that's how it got started. So for my relatives <laughs> who were, were listening to this, Look, there's chapter 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15. I don't know what Congress did when they stuck in a 12. So there's no chapter 8. That's the joke. That's the but, joke. But wait, do we capitalize chapter 8? Because you look in the bankruptcy code and, you know, they don't capitalize that stuff. It's very confusing when I have to write chapter 8 sometimes and capitalize it. So thank you for doing that. Yes, you're welcome. Yes, and the column itself tackles a wide variety of issues, subjects, and figures in the bankruptcy world. <laughs> I've seen the homage to the electric sounds of a judge. Judge Barreca. Yes. His, his, his work is being reissued on, on you know, real albums and stuff. I've also seen uh, a few columns on reforms of first emotions to uh, your compendium of legal insults. Uh, and so I just want to know, how do you pick the topics for the column? Well, it, I'll take this one. It's my training in a pantomime troupe in high school. <laughs> I wasn't able to, uh, to speak, so I just kept a long list of topics. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I've got hundreds to choose from for a long period of time. Uh, it is funny, you know, when I, when I, uh, Scott's probably the same way. We have two Scots here. That was very important, by the way. That's how I'm involved. It's, he's looking around for other Scots. But it, it, you want to look at an article that you've written a long time later, and it, and it should still make you smile. It should mm -hmm. still make you laugh. You agree with that? I agree. I was rereading this morning an article I wrote on Stern v. Marshall, um, a, a humor article if such a thing could exist. And Still kind of chuckled at some of the insight I had, and and it was somewhat informative too. It wasn't just humorous, but yeah, I objected to her homestead exemption. It yeah. was that was a great cross examination, best witness I've ever seen on the stand. The other side, mind you, but best witness I've ever seen. Yeah. Yana, I do not understand the question. <laughs> she was great. Yeah, I mean, for me, topics they they sometimes come out of um, bad experiences. Like the very first humor article I wrote for Norton Advisor on cram down was from my very first year as a lawyer working on a cram down case and just being thrown into this huge litigation fight and and uh, just the whole year was just a hard draining year for me and then somehow at the end of the year I was able to kind of take some of the more humorous side of it and write it into an article and so sometimes they come out of bad experiences and uh, you, you try to put a humorous spin on it so you can kind of go on living life with a smile about these uh, columns, how do you do research for them? Because beyond, uh, you know, it's, it's unique insight, but it's, there's a lot of good 
fact in there. So explain your research. I, I know process. how Brown does it. It's a, it's a, it's a bottle of, of whatever his uh, brew is and his feet up on the chair when the kids have finally gone to bed. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, so research, the, the whole point of these chapter eight columns is to not make them too laborious and too, I mean, the footnotes are usually the funnier part of the column. Um, and I, I try to at least do enough research to make sure people know I, know I know what I'm talking about and I'm not making a fool of myself and saying something completely wrong. But I also like to do um, not very much research so I can just kind of make these sort of crazy assumptions and conclusions about cases or situations or scenarios and, and that are they're half truth and half maybe just humorous spin on something. So Well, I, I, I always hated footnotes. I don't have any footnotes in my briefs. And then... I wrote a chapter for a, a book by Nancy Rappaport and how to go from first-year associate to, to junior partner, and she put in a bunch of footnotes for me, which was hilarious. So I thought, well, I needed an out, really a, a way to, to take out my frustration of not ever having used footnotes. And now, of course, footnotes are the most important thing. Unless you're listening on Modio Legal, well, they don't read the footnotes. So they have the punchlines to mm-hmm. the jokes are all not read, and I just want to you know, point that out. But I do research stuff because if you if you just ignore it, the editors, probably somebody above me, Mr. Brown, yeah. on the, thing the associate says, editor, says, I'd like a footnote for that. So I remember writing an article on a bankruptcy lawyer doing state court jury duty. Well, my research was I went and did state court jury duty, but I referred to Perry Mason, the best black and white lawyer of all time, you know, on TV in the 60s. We had to adjust the rabbit ears to see him. And they said, basically, who's Perry Mason? So I had to write a footnote that was like 1,100 <laughs> words long to explain to them. That's, that was my goal, was to be Perry, because Della Street would always open the door at the last minute with that witness who would come through the door and, and say, I've got him, you know, and then he would show up and it would settle. So that's how I do my research. I'm not going to call it footnote abuse, but one of the best aspects, as you mentioned, are the footnotes of the chapter eight column, which gives you greater joy uh, in writing the column or the footnotes? I would say what gives me the greatest joy is when I get feedback from somebody who's read it and they've read the footnotes and they're, they say, I really like the point you made in that footnote. Because then you realize this is somebody who gets the humor, who kind of gets the point you're trying to convey, they're looking at the footnotes, and they're, they're an engaged reader, and you know, I mean, that makes you feel good as an author when somebody's reading your footnotes and laughing at them. So I also like, one of my favorite parts of the columns is the intro where you get to describe yourself as the author, and sometimes I like to throw some interesting, interesting things in there about myself or a co-author. Yeah, sometimes you change my biography, in fact, and it's uh, one of those crazy things. Sorry. <laughs> one of the people has has escaped through that glass booth and they're and they're in here even though we're recording a podcast <laughs> I, I did have a report once from a reader who was on a red-eye flight from los angeles to washington for this uh, abi spring meeting who apparently was called to task by the flight attendants for making so much noise laughing at the footnotes of an article and i thought that is my goal yes. that is my goal yeah yeah, that's. I have to say, it sounds like uh, both the column, the footnotes, whichever way you're making that connection with the reader, and it sounds like you have quite the engaged uh, readership. Uh, how do they respond? Do you get uh, fan mail? 
uh, or email messages. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you you know when you've hit a, a nerve when you get the fan mail. There's some columns where you, I kind of whiff and I don't hear anything back from anybody, and then there's columns where I'll get you know a bunch of people responding back and and um, I change my name and I send you different ones or different addresses, <laughs> but they're good. I mean, when I'm doing that, it's good. Yeah. Uh, unmemorable legal insults, which is one of my columns. Uh, we, uh, I, I've had a, a judge from the Seventh Circuit call and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna use this article in a program, and uh, I hope you don't mind." I thought, "What memorable legal insults where lawyers are really behaving badly, breaking bad, so to speak?" And apparently, it was uh, a humorous way to sort of open up difficult topics of civility and that kind of thing. So I think really our goal is to educate the world. Yeah, I, I had I spoke at a conference in the Northwest because I'd been writing this column, and they wanted me to come be the lunchtime keynote speaker, and they wanted it to be nice. funny. And that was a little bit of pressure. And afterwards, I was reading the reviews, and uh, they were very polarizing. One said, "This is the best." speaker we've had, loved it, great humor, and then another one said, we can do a lot better than Mr. Brown next year. So, and that's probably the reaction you get to the column. I remember somebody telling my co-author, Eric Van Horn, once, this column's a, a waste of time, it's not even funny. And, and you know, if somebody reacts that way, they just, they're missing the point. So, yeah. and maybe we weren't funny, and, and we just don't have the same humor that he does, but... Uh, it seems like there has to be, a, you have to get a little bit of the humor and can appreciate that. I got interviewed once, uh, 15 minutes with a bankruptcy humorist at the Central California Bankruptcy Institute, a very fine conference in the middle of California, usually around September. And, uh, you know, I, I, it went well for about five minutes and then it just bogged down because I don't think you can talk about your funny writing. I just yeah. don't think that works. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a different, you have it's to, dancing it, about your brief or something. Yeah. Nothing doesn't make any sense. And so uh, the column's really about, uh, you said, educating the world, world education, not domination. What are you... These in, days. In, in, in Brown's day, it was... We did educate, yeah. <laughs> so what can, we, uh, what can readers expect uh, with the column going forward? We've had um, some success by finding out funny things that judges do. You mentioned Judge Barreca, who is an electronic musician, who performs every now and then at bars and stuff and fesses up to that. We've had uh, ham radio adventures with Judge Laney, who talked, he's a, he's a world-class ham radio competitor. There are intense competitions, and he's been uh, a referee as well as a competitor in these. We had an interview with Judge Clarkson where he talked about his boating experiences and other things and his work as a photographer. Judge Clarkson, uh, Scott Clarkson in Orange County has done uh, books on his trips to Vietnam and Afghanistan, and he's quite an accomplished photographer, so it's fun to hear that. But his, of course, take on his visits is a little more fun than it probably was when the bomb goes off down the street when he's actually, you know, visiting town. Uh, for me, you know, the, the only article I've had rejected by the ABI was the very first one I submitted, and it was a humorous take on the fee study, which the ABI had spent way too much time and resources on and had too many people involved for them to really have somebody kind of making fun of it. So uh, I may try to resubmit that. Maybe it's been long enough. Um, you know, back then it was too soon. But uh, I also had an experience recently in Louisiana involving a motion to avoid a judgment lien, just a really small $8,000 case that turned out to be this big mess and pretty humorous. I, ha I do have to be careful in writing these columns for me. Uh, sarcasm 
sometimes become too biting and too edgy and uh, the humor's lost. And I have to make sure that if I'm going to make fun of somebody that I better be the target of that um, that insult or making fun. I, you can't poke fun at other people, um, at least people you don't know very well, or else it just kind of goes sideways pretty quickly. Yes, I think a number one rule is try not to insult something important to the yes. ABI because then, you know, it goes, the column disappears. I've had more columns disappear than you, but uh, <laughs> but I am not critical of the ABI, honestly. I think it's a fantastic organization. I, yep. did, I do remember a, an article I quite liked about a trip to Hawaii where I made every effort to actually catch up with the one certified bankruptcy specialist in Hawaii and wasn't around, but he talked about what it's like to be in Maui and, you know, you finish a hearing and you have your swimsuit and your surfboard in the back and off you go for that afternoon. I'm thinking that might be a reason to leave the big city and, you know, go do something else anyway. Uh, so I've, I've had some rejected. And so, gentlemen, I understand, obviously, you are the primary authors of the column, but every now and again, uh, readers see guest columnists or even contributors to your column. Uh, if you could just take us through either the, pro the process of a guest contributor or uh, how you work another professional's humor into your column. Well, it came as a shock to me that the ABI didn't want just me publishing every single month in the Chapter 8 column, that they wanted me to, to diversify the topics and the authors. And so, uh, unfortunately, I had to go outside of my comfort zone and, and recruit some people and got some pretty good articles, a few that we had to reject because they're a little bit inappropriate when it came to the humor. But uh, one guy who wrote uh, several times for the column who did a great job was Chip Bowles. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just thinking of him the other day. I had a, a, a case in Kentucky and thinking about him a little bit. And, and he was always ready to, to help out and, and uh, throw in a column. And he had a good sense of humor and uh, just a great way of, of, um, of talking about bankruptcy and making it so other people could just uh, appreciate it and learn and uh, be better lawyers. I've I've always asked other people to contribute articles, and everyone says, "Heck no," or "I'm not funny," or something else. But uh, some people have given me enough that it's worked. And I've I've interviewed a lot of judges on little bits on their pet peeves and things, and they've been willing to contribute that. And I thought that was really a lot of fun. Scott Clarkson reminded me just the other day that he wrote. Um, big hunk of the column where he was interviewed with respect to the photography and stuff, which he did, and was really good. I get to take their raw stuff and make it, I guess, maybe a little more funny, but it's still right then. Ken Hambrick, uh, who's a Freddie Mac lawyer, a, a serious multifamily lawyer, uh, is a guy who who told me his story over a beer about being the bass player in a band with the guy who wrote that famous song from, from the late 60s, Fire! Da -da 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 -da. Fire. And uh, how he met uh, an actress and did other things, but eventually came back, settled down, went to law school. Joseph Bufidel wrote a very fine article on the impact at the end of 2017 on the impact of a small child, first kid, on a bankruptcy litigator's practice. And I gave him that article. I gave him 12 months to write it. And, of course, classic fashion. It took him until, you know, 11 and a half months to start writing it. And he interviewed his uh, mother-in-law, Judge Lisa Hill Fenning, who's now retired from the bench. But Judge Fenning said, 
you know, Boofdell would say, it's this way, and she'd say, no, 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 it's that way. And so we had a dialogue, and that turned out to be great. I think that we are very encouraging, and we wish to encourage anybody who thinks they're funny, otherwise or not, and, and to write us, send us a column, or, you know, call us and, and give a topic, and in the course of things, uh, you might actually get published. Now, maybe that's not something you want on your bio, but I think it's kind of cool yeah. to have written a humor column. We might even get the ABA to do little ribbons for Chapter 8 the next time for their uh, Winter Leadership Conference. It should be printed Winter backwards. Winter is coming. It should be, it should be printed yeah. backwards on yeah. Chapter 8. So. I have to add this, too. Judge Fenning is the one who solved or mediated and, and resolved my cram-down case that was the source of my first humor column as a bankruptcy lawyer. So. Ooh, it's a full circle. We have come full circle. <laughs> awesome. Well, gentlemen, uh, this column, I have to say, from the family Christmas card to the column now that appears in uh, all the ABI Readership's monthly ABI journal, we appreciate your perspectives and takes on all the various issues and topics and figures within the bankruptcy world. So thank you very much, Scott. And Scott, we'll call this the Great Scott's Podcast. I think it's okay. Yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been our pleasure, and uh, we thank uh, the ABI Journal and all the editors who've suffered through our um, drafts and helped us. <laughs> thank you, uh, Scott Brown and Scott Bovitz, and be sure to check out their Chapter 8 humor column in the ABI Journal. There are over 200 ABI podcasts available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and in the ABI Newsroom. Make sure to check them out at abi.org. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time.